Inside Football Podcast. My name is Joe Simon. Today, the Socceroos fell to defeat at the hands of France. The French are sick and tired of dealing with the Aussies and their subs, but it was the Subway Socceroos that caused them real headaches in the first 10 minutes of this clash. And today we'll be talking about that and unfortunately the other 80 minutes afterwards, as well as some more action from the World Cup, including Saudi Arabia's incredible victory over Argentina. I am delighted to be joined with two of the absolute best today. Firstly, hello and welcome back, Mr. Tony Wilson. G'day, Joe. Lovely to have you here. And also for the first time during Qatar 2022, Santo Chalaro. Hello. Hello, Joe. How are you? Tony, how are you? It's so uh, it's a bit unusual to see you uh, in Australia during a World Cup. Uh, we're veterans, aren't we? We go back to the uh, to the big one, the 2006, where we, uh, where we did some time together, some great time together, didn't we? We did. We ate odd meat at a, at a little... Uh, cafe in munich i remember we it, we we tried all parts of the pig it was what they advertised on the window it says we sell all parts of the pig uh, uh in fact there was a little they had a little sub motto underneath that as well tony it had uh, the offal is often the best <laughs> <laughs> and um but the thing is can you believe it tony? that was in 2006 ever since then i've become a vegetarian <laughs> Well, certainly, I've, uh, I'm missing Qatar, which is a shame. I, I know that there's a lot of uh, controversy and, and you know, the human rights issues are troubling. And my dad's been urging me. He's one of my fellow World Cup travelling mates. And he's forever saying, don't go to this one. You can't go. And he, he's been resolute. My other travelling mate, um, Francis Leach, has been saying, you can't go. You can't go. Uh, I did buy tickets. But um, in the end, I listened to them and put them up for resale. It's, you know what? It, it's funny because I've seen enough of these World Cups in my time. And, and I, I'll go back to my very first World Cup. I watched at a cinema in, uh, in a little, uh, in, a, in a cinema in uh, Queen's Parade in a place called Clifton Hill in, in, in just near Collingwood. And uh, so I go back a long time and they're always steeped in some kind of controversy. I, I, even as a kid, I remember 78 in, uh, in Argentina. It was very controversial. And, uh, you know, there was a military hunter over there. It was, it was probably more brutal than... than, than <laughs> Than what we're talking about at the moment, yeah. and uh, there was there was an incredible incredible results in the lead up to the um, to the final there. So th- there's always and even Brazil, you know, even the World Cup in Brazil was there were protests in the street, um, you know, Brazilian people saying, you know, why have we got this World Cup when we should be spending it on this? So there's always a little bit of controversy, but I think you're right. This one here, it's there's something especially weird about it, isn't it? And it's built up so much this week with uh, surreal speeches from you know from Infantino and. And you know the, the yellow card for anybody who wears the armband and all that kind of thing. So it is very odd. And do you know what? It frustrates me because I'm wrapped that it's in the Middle East, and and, the, and all the rage at the moment is these multiple bids from different countries. Like you just imagine if this had been in in Egypt and Jordan mm. and Israel or something. You know, it just would have been a fantastic World Cup. And it's a bit sad too because then then when the football starts. Yeah. You, you're kind of into it. You know what I mean? You, you, yeah, you, you yeah. go, okay, you know what? It started. I got excited this morning when I watched Australia and, and I got like, you know, when Argentina, just watching Argentina on, on a ground is very, is so exciting. And the other thing is I say to the people that are there, like you can hear everything, like have fun. Look at the, it, traveling and going to places that aren't kosher. I, I think that's part of traveling. I, so I hope soccer is fans over there are just having a ball. It looked like they were this morning, and and we will touch on the game. But firstly, before we do, Santo, of course, your men, the Italians, aren't at the, the World Cup this year, unfortunately. A bit of spare time now, though. I want to know, what are the Italians up to this time of year? 
well, they're whinging more than usual because I, I read the Gazette de la Sport every day. So this morning, they, 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 couldn't get, they, they kept on talking about all the uh, Italian players that scored oh. goals for France today. So they were on top of the, you know, they're going, oh, my God, you know, uh, our Italians have done so well at the World Cup. Uh, meanwhile, they, I think they lost to Albania 2-0, didn't they, uh, a few days ago? <laughs> it's, it's a bit tragic because, uh, as you probably both know, I have a great relationship with my dad where we talk about football every single day of our lives. And so he's 93, so we've spoken a lot of, a lot of football in the past. But he's been very quiet in the past two weeks, like intensely quiet. So uh, I haven't even spoken to him about the Australia game this morning yet. Oh, but. Wow. Uh, I think there's not much going on in Italy. I, uh, I, I read uh, Bonucci went on a bit about saying, you know, the reason we lost 2-0 is because we were a bit depressed that the uh, the World Cup was starting. So we we're all a bit down. Mm. Come on, guys, mm. harden up a little bit. I mean, gee, if it, this is when you've got to, you know, draw on some kind of, you know, reserves. Come and do something. You've missed out on the last two World Cups. You're European champions. I mean, just wake up to yourselves. It's You know what? Uh, the, when, when I saw Italy versus um, Australia in, um, in Germany in 2006, I was so, so happy, not, not only because it was the game I'd waited my whole life to see, it was because I, I really, really put myself to the test about who do I follow? I mean, I've been following Italy since I was a little kid. And it, I, it was, Italy was so far in, in the distance. It was so, come on, Aussie, come on, because... You look at the Italians and, you, you know, you, you, you love and hate them and all that kind of thing. But they're, 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 you know, they're like privileged kids. They feel like they're, you know, they, they deserve to be there. They're entitled. And I really wanted Australia to slap them in the face in 2006. And we almost did. Um, so to tell you the truth, in a way, I'm kind of, there's a bit of, it's a bit of bittersweet. There's the sweetness is, yeah, there you go, guys. You haven't made it to the last two World Cups and it's mm. your own fault. So yeah, maybe they can hop on the Socceroos bandwagon because look, we have to talk about the big game this morning, France versus Australia, the Manu Fidel Cup, uh, the DJ Havana Brown Derby. Look, the Socceroos, they started very brightly. And at the beginning of the match, it was a, there was a superstar down the wing, uh, you know, an attacking player causing all sorts of problems, as is Bayic, of course. He's overlapped <laughs> and combinations yeah, yeah. with Craig Goodwin on the left. And also the control and composure. Australia had to to find a pass in midfield and not get flustered by the you know the stars and and you know the French talent around them. The Socceroos looked composed and at home at the World Cup. It was great. I, there was a couple of minutes where I thought, oh, this is gonna. We can't. I think I tweeted. We 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 need to find a bigger bus. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it looked that way for about two minutes. But then the next fifteen minutes were just magnificent. It really was so positive and and there was this sort of sense that they believed and and then you know when the goal came came i think it'll be one of the great moments in, in australian world cup history it's it was completely unexpected it was perfectly executed this is the way he put it away and put it into the top of the net and the, the ball from sutar it was perfect it was just I screamed. I ran around my, my <laughs> lounge room screaming, and my son's got special needs. He's got sensory processing issues, and he said, "Could could you stop doing that? And, um, <laughs> and could you and could you not do that again?" And guess what? I didn't. I didn't do no, it again. Didn't. So you didn't see. I would have just sat there and said, "No, no, no. I'll explain to you why I will do it again. So if this is how it works. You know, every four years this happens. But could could you imagine that? To me, when they scored that goal, I thought. I didn't jump up and scream. I just said, yes, they've put away 
uh, they've put away a goal that usually they would not put away. It yeah. was a great build-up. Usually, you know, how many times do we see that and then they throw their heads back going, oh, so close, I could have got that. The ball was sort of uh, skidding across. It was not It was a difficult strike. He took it beautifully. It was very sweet. And then I thought, if we just take our chances, we actually have a really good chance. And was it Duke that's, that had a shot from about 25 out? Was that? Yeah, was, uh, yeah it was. That would have been an incredible. Had, now, had we put that away because that was, it would have been such a cracker. Then, then it was, then it was serious. Then it would have been mm. really serious. Then, then, then France really would have doubted their own abilities because, you know, people mightn't remember, but the game that sort of got us to a round of 16 in 2006 was the two nil loss to Brazil. You know, we, we, we didn't, we didn't lose our mind. We, we made sure that we didn't lose five nil. The reason we didn't make it to round 16 in 2010 is because we lost, what was it? Was it six nil to Germany or four nil? Yeah. What well, was it? Four nil. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we, we, we had a loss, we had a win and we had a draw in, in both those world cups. So I don't know, maybe, maybe three goals is okay for us. You know what I mean? As in, Maybe everything's falling into place. You know, if if we, I'd love to see us go out against Tunisia and do really well, and then you know maybe get the draw against Denmark or whatever, and then we're in the box seat because we'll probably be facing Saudi Arabia rather than rather than Argentina. So I'm I'm eyeing a uh, a quarter final already. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. If we do get that result against Tunisia and France defeat Denmark, which they're probably our favourites to do, suddenly soccer is a sitting second. I mean, it's a long way to go, and a lot of things have to go our way. But that that is that is the situation. So yeah. it's not. I'm a, I'm a, Joe, I made the mistake of watching the Tunisia game, <laughs> and so I'm not feeling as positive as, <laughs> hey, that, uh, yeah. as the easy maths that you just presented. They were they were fantastic <laughs> in the first half against Denmark, um, yeah, and, yeah. and we will struggle. But you know, it is interesting what happened at the 20 minute mark. You know, once the goal, do, do you feel as though I felt like we backed off and and Kuhl, you know, in some respects, he's not the most sort of personable, special comments man. But I, th- I felt that he really got it right in terms of saying, oh, all the intensity and all the push has gone out of the soccer rules. And you can kind of understand why, you know, you get you get in front and there's sort of a fear, oh, we've got to make sure we keep the lead. And but all, all the kind of energy of those magic 15 minutes, you know, it, they just disappeared. And, and suddenly we were standing back and there were no through balls and knocking it around at the back and 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 France grew in those minutes yeah and then and then it was over they were confident and flying yeah you're right and I think it's probably a combination of Australia maybe wanting to protect what they you know they they had the lead they probably thought if we can hang on to this and be more defensively minded but that kind of gave the French confidence I think and they really became composed new to this 4-3-3 system so it sort of gave them time to adapt and, and gain control of the game. And I think that hurt the Socceroos from there. We just couldn't get back in it. I remember the the, the best Socceroos t- teams, even when slightly limited with ability, there was a sense of press. Mm. I didn't get that sense of press today. You know, that mm. sense that every every they just were madly charging, um, you know, when we played Brazil. And, and Gusini in particular got that team really pushing hard whenever the opposition had it. And today I just felt like they were allowed to have it. I thought it was incredible watching Saudi Arabia against uh, Argentina. They, they they didn't, you know, they, they didn't, you know, lose their, they didn't drop their bundle or anything. They, they they were a goal behind and they were still sort of complaining to the referee about bad decisions. And then they just then they just 
impose themselves physically. They just got in there. They got in their faces. They didn't hold back. They just went, kept going forward. And then all they needed to, you know, they needed those five to 10 minutes, whatever they were, where they really put the, the pedal on and then they defended. So it felt like a really, it felt like Saudi could do it. Mind you, Saudi's probably got a stronger team than they have in the past. Uh, and they've been there a few times now. So they've learned those lessons. Um, whereas you're right, it, we, we, I kept on noticing all the part, our natural, our default is to pass backwards. And it's just, it, it is annoying. And it sends a signal to the other side going, well, we're not that confident. We're not that good. Yeah. Uh, that said, you know, I, I heard, I thought Harry was great um, with his comments today and, you know, what we should and shouldn't do and that, you know, all the halftime analysis and everything like that. But I think we do have to admit it's not just by a little, but by far our weakest side in, in five campaigns. Now, um, that's not, I mean, I love the guy. I love our team, right? But there's, we just don't have the quality. So what are you going to do? What? Yeah, you can press and you can do that. But, and I know it's 11 against 11, but have a look at the 11 we played against. I mean, really, the, 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 their two wingers were just playing. It was like playing against... It was like playing against someone from the, the state league or something. It, it was it was just no contest at all, um, and you could see that they're, you know, Dembele, Mbappe, they, their eyes were just they lit up. They were playing with smiles. You, you you're never going to beat a team that's playing with smiles. It's, it, I, I think we may have played them into a bit of form, by the way, because at the start mm. they were they looked pretty rusty, and you know we were reminded of. Um, their you know not so stellar lead up to the world cup and um and i guess we probably woke them up a little bit and they said okay i think we better better start working and they really did it was wonderful to watch i thought the french were great that's the best individual game that i've seen played against an australian team i can't think of an individual that smashed us just time and again like that i mean i think perlo did pretty well in in the Italy game in 06, but I can't, I can't really think of a, a better individual effort. He was, he was apart from the finishing was slightly off, but he could have had five. He was, he was just dominant. Yeah. He's still only 23. That's his fifth world cup goal. And he got an assist today as well. He's only one off the world cup record for most touches in an opposition box ever. And he's 23. Right. He's, he's quite incredible. Uh, Matt Ryan only made two saves in the game. What do you think of Matt Ryan? Uh, do you think he could have maybe imposed himself a little bit more in some of the situations? I love Matt Ryan's attitude. He's just, he's just been super. You know, he really is unflappable and everything. But I really do think that he, his lack of game time in uh, this season was always going to be a real problem. I, and, you know, we have enough of a problem on, on the actual field. But I, I thought that that... I don't want to blame blame anyone for that second goal, but I mean to 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 pass it centrally, you know, trying to work out trying to work it out of your defence that way. To pass, I can understand passing it laterally, but to pass it centrally when there's a little bit of pressure behind somebody, and and then knowing that the ball's just then going to go out to the left where uh, Mbappe is, you know, is just super fast. I thought that that was suicidal, and it wasn't just a silly mistake. It was one of those ones where. Uh, with a bit more game time, you just know not to do that or you, mm. you're reminded not to do that. You know, you've played enough games to, to say, shit, last time I did that, that didn't end well for, you know, wherever I play, Copenhagen or wherever. Copenhagen. Uh, so I, I, I do think that I do think that that's our weak spot. And I was surprised that, that Langerak was, was dropped from the squad. 
I mean, that's where I sit. I mean, I, I, as I said, I can't, you can't fault anybody's endeavour or ability, but I think when you're coming to a World Cup, I mean, what made the difference in 2006? Our guys were just match-hardened at a really, really good level, so they knew what to do when the pressure was on. Oh, I see he's one of my favourites. I think on, yeah, on I love ability, him. on ability, I'd still pick him. Um, it's hard. I didn't see Howlers today, um, and I look at I look at the ones that went past him, like the first header. You know, the one that came in from the second phase at the corner. Look, could he have got out further? Or it's just I just can't really think of anything that was. And yeah, but then they all pass out from the back, like it was to Atkinson in that situation. It, now, in some respects, that wasn't a crazy or a, I didn't think that was a howler from Ryan. It was a pretty average effort from Atkinson, you know. And so, mm. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. I, I, I still, I'd still pick him. Still pick him. Certainly, uh, I think he'll play against Tunisia and for leadership reasons, for shot stopping. You know, I'm a believer. <laughs> I think he will be busier against Tunisia. Um as Tony, as you said, you, you watched them play. It was a it was a nil-nil draw against Denmark, who are a very good team. And Tunisia, I think, surprised me a little bit because they were defensively, they were they were as solid as I thought they would be. But they were they were ripping Denmark open, particularly through the middle of the pitch, and they created a lot of chances. Obviously, a point against Denmark is a great result, but they could have they could have got more from this one. Yeah, they were they were the best better side in the first half. Definitely. So it was Denmark were lucky to go into the sheds, I thought, equal. But then Denmark dominated the second half. You know, it sort of felt like Tunisia ran out of puff. Um, and I think it, in the end it was, you know, Denmark had five shots on target to one or something like that. But, but certainly in the first half, it was like look, all the possession and all the energy was with Tunisia. And, and their striker, he looks, what's, do you have his name? Like, he was really dangerous. And, and um, you know, he'll be a handful for us. Our, our defence... You know, we don't we don't look top line from what we saw today. <laughs> yeah, Jazami Bali, he's yeah, he, he did look good before he came off, but I think it could be even harder to score against Tunisia than France the way they were defending because France obviously they they can go all out attack and we had that chance in behind today. I'm not sure that Tunisia allow Socceroos to get in behind like that. Set pieces, suitor. Set pieces, suitor. <laughs> penalties, var. Bring it on. Do you think that? Uh, do you think that um, both um, Tunisia and Denmark were happy with the with the with the draw? No, I, reckon I, think that, I think each each needed to win it, didn't it? Did I mean Denmark yeah. wanted to win that one? Yeah, maybe Tunisia was happier with the draw, but you'd think that Denmark wanted to well, win that one. I think Denmark are probably favourites to go through in second place. So Tunisia getting this result keeps them level. And if they beat Australia, as I said, you know, it's the same situation. If they beat Australia, France defeat Denmark, suddenly they're on four points and head into that French game. The French side might already be qualified. Let's move on to the uh, the big shock. Saudi Arabia 2-1 Argentina. Saudi Arabia, the second lowest ranked team at the tournament, defeating a lot of people's favourites, which was incredible. They were bold. They stuck to a very, very high defensive line, which was such high risk but turned out to be such high reward they caught out Argentina 10 times for offside three of those the ball was put in the back of the net and had to be ruled out it was just incredible and Santo like you said before their burst of energy allowed them to to score those two goals and then they were in control they had complete control of the game I don't think anyone really saw this coming I think that uh, when you see um, a team going into a, a match like the one in Argentina and sort of 
certainly be the underdogs. You know, they're clearly the underdogs. Yet they've still got one or two players that can really create something magical up front. That's when you look at your own. So you look at the Socceroos and go, come on, guys, it's been five campaigns. We really, really must try and grab somebody when they're quite young and say, you're the guy. We, we want you to be the guy. And, and persist with them. And we've seen little glimpses over the years of, of people that may have taken that mantle, but it, it never quite, after two or three years, their, their, their flame burns bright and then disappears. But that was the great thing about Saudi Arabia. It looked like they could create something when you come. It wasn't speculative. And that second goal was magnificent. So the, the second, not only the strike, but the 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 the, the two touches that he that he had before he took the strike were very very special against Argentina. Now they, they've got a pretty good defence, Argentina, and you know they they were they were being nasty out, not nasty out there, but you know they weren't shaking hands. They were you know they were being tough out there. They were being men, and and Saudi just weren't phased. They were not phased. And then they did the, you know, I guess a bit of a goose hitting after they were two one up. They rolled the dice. They said, okay, now we're going to sit back. We're going to sit back and we're really going to tough it out at the back. And they managed to do it. And now Argentina's in a bit of trouble. I mean, they've got Mexico and Poland to get over. That's, mm. they're, they're no easy beats. And yeah. for all the talk about Argentina being, you know, either clear favourites or co-favourites and Messi's last World Cup, I've been, all my cousins from Argentina have been texting me all day and they're, they're, they're really worried. They're really genuinely worried. I like the fact that you've got cousins in all countries. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, uh, I had a taste with this one. I had a taste of uh, just what all you Australian watchers of World Cups go through. My daughter came home from her Northern Territory trip and my wife thought I should be investing some time in the catch-up. She'd been away for 10 days and it was just compelling. I couldn't turn myself away from it. It was such a, a brilliant effort. As you say, the, um, the strength of the Saudis and the cohesion, they showed us in, was it in Doha to get the one nil, or was it actually in in Saudi? I can't remember. But the one we had to win to get through with automatic qualification, they just smashed it. So I was mm. um, really impressed with how good a side they were then, and then doubly impressed last night with with the VAR. Was that that was a contentious penalty? I would I would have thought, wasn't it? Uh, was, yeah, it was, was not, that wasn't a penalty. The, unless they unless, unless they're sending a message that hey guys don't do any of this you know uh, is it an early message I haven't seen yeah. I haven't seen any of that kind of stuff happening in other games so I can't I can't judge there was, was certainly in, none of it in the Australia game yeah it was interesting because early on in, in the England game I think there should have been a penalty for the exact same thing and then later in the game Iran were awarded the penalty for something in a similar situation so it's very the referee on the day makes the call and who knows? You might get them. You might not. And, and can I ask, what are the twenty-nine points on the body that are connected <laughs> to the to the inside of the ball? I don't under, I can understand that there's some technology inside the ball. Mm. But what, what, what are these twenty-nine <laughs> points around the? I mean, have they have they got little sort of microchips in people's foreheads and shoulder blades and and ankles? It's so crazy. Not, you can't complain though when the if you do this and they tell you this if we believe what they say in the press release that the mm. that offshot side is measured like this then you can never complain can you it's taken away all the um, ability to yell at, at officialdom if they're going to be <laughs> right every time an amazing win for Saudi Arabia so much yeah. so King Salman has declared there'll be a public holiday on Wednesday to celebrate the result so if things go well for the Socceroos against Tunisia, clear your calendars. He's, he's clearly now my chic of the week then. So well done. <laughs> that's, 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 that's.
that's a great thing to proclaim. I want to touch on Herb Renard, Saudi Arabia's manager. All credit to him. You know, <laughs> his tactical approach and bravery in the clash and always looking crisp on the touchline. Is he the new Yogi Lov of, of Germany? Is he the new style icon of the, of the beautiful game? I think he's always, he's always had that style. So he's, uh, he's become, it's a bit of a classic look for him now, isn't it? I think Yogi Lov was slightly different. He was, I, I would say he was slightly more, um, not flamboyant, but he, 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 he sort of he mixed it up in the, in the fashion department. Whereas uh, this guy, here, he, he, go, he, go, he goes the classic white shirt, folded arms, brooding looks. Y- y- Yoki didn't have brooding looks. Mm. He, he he was more, he, he was intense. He was like, I couldn't tell whether he was sort of like a, a member of the Wiggles or a, a, the, a lost member of the Beatles or something like that. There was a, there was that, there was that vibe about him, but um, I do like the, 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 the cut of this guy's jib. I'd love to know his technique with an iron to keep it. So, you know, his temperature, <laughs> the water level, amount of mist. Yeah. First coach to win the AFCON with two different teams. So he's, he's a very, That's very true. good approach. And, and I think some people would say he plays the kind of football that a lot of people would like to see the Socceroos play. Is that yeah, right? I was oh, seeing yeah, the, yeah. the Twitter requests to get him moved our way after the World Cup. What do you think of all the extra time with the... It's very FIFA, isn't it, to come up with an experiment um, in the biggest tournament of the four years to say, well, instead of having... Out of nowhere. Well, well, you know, this is interesting because I just read an Italian interview with uh, Pierluigi Collina. Uh, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, is he still in charge of the referee, the World Cup referees? He certainly was. But he, interesting, he says that the referees said to watch out for this in the last World Cup. They said this is not new from this World Cup. They 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 mentioned it in the Russia World Cup that that the that they'd be a little bit more strict about the actual time played. Now I don't remember any games in Russia uh, going you know having injury time longer than what 10, 12 minutes. I never I I have no recollection of that at all. But Kalina insists that it's something that they've been working towards in the past four years. Um, it's good and- though I think. I, mean, I, I like the I like the fact that you can now no longer waste any time because. Yeah. Uh, however, it it it's going to have to take its toll in the in the warmer weather. Now I don't know whether there's going to be that many matches played right in you know in the heat of the day, but you would think that at a place where there's 30, 30 plus degrees that it will have a bit of a, an effect on the players. But it is kind of weird because, you know, when, you know, when you get into the eighties and you go, Oh shit, there's only 10 minutes left. You go, no, there's 20 minutes left. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a different psychology. And 13 minutes. I was screaming at the television for the Saudis. I don't know why I was backing for the Saudis. I like the Argentinians, but you know, I was 13 minutes in that, in that um, extra time when they scheduled eight or something ridiculous. And then they're four or five minutes over with injury time on injury time it was yeah it was it was unbelievable and i guess it stops people rolling around you know but anything to stop people rolling around is a good thing i guess yeah. yeah of the eight games only one of the games have been under 100 minutes and that was mexico poland 99.24 so pretty close i'm interested to see how they they calculate it, if it's a stopwatch or if they've got you know the scientific calculator abacus on the sidelines it does make you think so in the past whenever the referee is always pointed at his watch saying you know, I'm taking this into account. You go, well, were you? A quick word on Mexico, Neil, Poland, Neil. Not not the most exciting game, but Lewandowski stepped up with a chance to score his first ever World Cup goal for Poland. But who stood in his way? Of course, the World Cup icon, Ochoa. He became the first Mexican goalkeeper to save a penalty in a World Cup since 1966. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of the mascots. I think it should just be Ochoa. 
put him on the poster mm. with with the host nation because every <laughs> four years he's he's the icon he's the star i thought it was a wonderful save it was a great save yeah did, it was. did you look at it carefully it was an absolutely ripping save the first one since 68 are you kidding 66 i know it was the first one in in world cup recorded history which is just insane but it's this time of year as well it's the festive season michael buble starts to peek his head out around that time i feel like every four years it's the same with ochoa he's the face yeah. of the world cup now <laughs> is it the same ochoa because there's ochoa there's, there's pretty <laughs> no it's his out. grandson what did you think of messi's penalty it was pretty it was sort of gentle wasn't it pretty i guess it looked like the goalie went too early so uh, the goalie just... went way uh, tony the goalie went way too early they, he, I, I, I don't even know whether messi was actually going to go in that direction literally he, he re- they almost they should almost should have taken it again because he went he, he, he went <laughs> yeah. too early because uh, sure he was already diving to the other side before messi even before he planted his his right foot next to the ball i thought mm. so yeah and i thought i i turned to my wife and, she, and i said he's gone way too early and she said I don't know. Can we watch Netflix now? I think she <laughs> wasn't that interested. Can I just uh, just say how great uh, Didier Deschamps is? He's he's a real champion. I mean, it's, it's two World Cups, isn't it? And so has he has he led them to two World Cups? He's I'm coached one, and he's played in one. And he's played yeah. in one. Yes, yeah. so I was there in '98 to watch him, and he was super. He's, I, I think, whatever it is, because you know that French side. I mean, it, it, they're you know so it's renowned for its lack of unity and everything so you know what he's done i think is pretty amazing he's mm. obviously got them they all seem to enjoy playing with each other certainly uh, this morning they certainly look like they enjoy playing with each other so whatever he's doing good luck because you know in the past it, it, it's been diabolical before we wrap up any, any games or, or moments of the world cup that you're looking forward to before the before the tunisia soccer game on the weekend i'm looking forward to croatia I, I i really like this croatian side so i'm 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 really looking to, forward to seeing how they're going i've always liked croatia at a world cup they've mm. they, they've always they always punch above their weight I, I really do like them and in fact i know joe you've got a little bit of croatian in you mm. and, uh, so i guess that will be a team that you'll be following as well but but do you remember um tony at the croatia game at stuttgart in 2006 uh what a crazy game that was it was oh. one of the, you know it, it probably is one of the craziest games ever in in a world cup what went on you know zelko kalach the three yellow cards. Even even Harry Harry Kill's goal, you know, sort of on the not, on the whistle. Remember they yeah. did disallowed a goal. Yeah, Viduka scored a goal on the whistle as he actually, as the ball went through. The, the 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 referee was blowing for full time. <laughs> yeah, Viduka was scoring the goal. Have you ever so seen crazy. that before? They always never allow the that. phase of play to finish, and they never blew the whistle before. like it was an ice hockey. Um, I know it was so crazy going on and. Uh, and Harry Kuehl's goal was, you know, looking back at it, was kind of clearly offside. Yeah. It was so weird. And all I remember, do you remember the chance in the in the crowd, Tony? Yeah, the, your, your shirt is a tablecloth. No, well, was well it wasn't one. that. That was the, that was the offensive part of it. Well, both parts were kind of offensive, but it was one of the weirder ones. It was, it started off with like, your chicks are hot. But your flag is a tablecloth. So that's what the yes. So while the Croatians were chant were chanting their own, well, I guess whatever political chants that they had, Australia was chanting, "Your chicks are hot, but your your flag is a tablecloth." Yeah. It almost yeah. reminds me of the way in '98 I saw the USA play Iran, and Iran had, uh, of course, that was the that was the the year that Iran beat us at the MCG to um, to get to that to that World Cup. And Iran, they had all these really complex chants uh, that were not only political, but they were coded because you couldn't say certain things in public. So there was like this 
weird coded chants going on. Meanwhile, the US, they were going, if you're rooting for the US, clap your hands. <laughs> yeah. I think there's got there's got to be a documentary about chants at World Cups would be would be or oh, maybe not well, a documentary, maybe a, did, a short pod, a, a short podcast. Actually, my first World Cup was the race around the world, 98 World Cup in France. And I made a story on whether the Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi chant was the worst sporting chant in the world. So basically went around and just got collected chants from the other countries. And in the end, I decided we were equal worst with Mexico, Mexico, rah, rah, rah. So, uh, <laughs> Joe, in, in answer to your question about what I'm looking forward to, I, I love, you know, I think of the Australian experience of 06 and how exciting it is to get there after a long time. And so... Mexico, oh, sorry, um, I'm following Wales, but I'm also following Canada. I hope they have a, a great game and a, a great tournament. And so that's the one I'm looking forward to, to tomorrow morning. Um, yes, Canada. Against Belgium in the morning. Belgium, you'd rather get Belgium at the eight-year mark of their golden generation than <laughs> at the, at the three-year mark, you know. So I think Canada will go in with eyes wide and hopes high. Definitely. They've got a very good side. They'll, they'll be exciting to watch. And uh, and lastly, how do we feel ahead of the weekend against Tunisia? Are we feeling confident? Do we need, do we need to mix things up a little bit? As a, as a pessimist, I'm, con- I'm confident. I really am. Oh. I, I think that, um, you know why? Because I think we showed in the first 10, 15 minutes what we can actually do, what, what a team of fairly inexperienced and not quite up to it people can do, right? And this is it. We've got... We've got no other option. We we can't play backwards this time. We we have to go forwards. We have to win this match. So I, I I find it very exciting. You know, there's no, I can't see any impediments to. We can only be positive now. You know that I know that Tunisia is a good side, and they've probably got uh, you know some good support there for them. Mm-hmm. But think of think of how we've got through things in the past. You know, uh, you know we we we've. When we're backs against the wall, that's that's when we're weirdest, wildest, craziest, and it can come undone really quickly. But you know, if it goes well, it's pretty exhilarating. Yeah, I'm a bit with you. I'm a pessimist as well, and would not be surprised if it's you know two nil to Tunisia. But at the same time, I've been laughing with my friend Cam. He's been in the stadium for every game that. Um, that the Socceroos have played this century, and he also has decided not to go this time. And and Cam and I are, are, are thinking that the, our punishment will be that this seemingly average side gets into the last eight. <laughs> and so they'll somehow just conjure a win here and then get through on goal difference against Denmark. And as exactly the map that you put forward at the start, San Santo, then... Then we knock over Saudi Arabia in the round of 16 and we're in the last eight and Cam and I kick ourselves the rest of time for missing this World Cup. I have to ask you both. um, Ange Postacoglu had a vision for Australia, okay? And that vision started off pretty badly in his first World Cup game and it sort of all all came undone there. But he had a long-term vision and his long-term vision was to win the World Cup and people laughed at him. Uh, the the football you know football Australia obviously didn't have the same faith that he had in uh, in getting Australia through in the time since we all know we won't go through his achievements clearly he's a very ambitious man and he's he's a dreamer but then he tries to make dreams work and over the past few years they have so if and was still at the helm 
how different do you think this Australia side would look? I think we'd play differently. I mean, we wouldn't be wouldn't have been tapping it around at the back today. There's a there's an aggression to his teams that is just really attractive. Maybe the ability issue is one that's beyond Ange to fix, mm. because you know where are we going to find an Mbappe or even a Tim Kale? You know the the pathways and the junior development and whatever has left us with this gap between what we're seeing with our very best players in terms of whether they can dominate the Premier League or Serie A versus the French's best players. You know, it just does seem to be a big gap. And that's, that's got to be something beyond what Ange can fix. But at the same time, for togetherness and that kind of goose hitting factor of, of how can you get your team hard and ready and cohesive and believing, I think he would be as good as, I think he's the best, best coach any sport in Australia by a long way. I agree. I suspect that one of the problems that he had with, the, uh, with, the, with Football Australia was that if he probably realised that there was that gap there and he was trying to find players, you know, in the backwaters of Croatia or, you know, playing, you know, in, in, at Roma or wherever he found his players at, forgotten players. He, you know, he literally, he told me literally they had to basically find players that they'd lost They'd heard about this kid when he was 16 or 17 and they said, where is he now? We don't know. We have to actually find him somewhere. So he went about doing that around Europe. But I suspect that he probably was saying, we've got to strengthen the A-League. As in the A-League was shown up. Uh, this morning, the A-League was shown up. He probably had a long-term vision, I suspect, that, that you've got to get your local game up and running because if we can't rely on teams in Belgium or Spain or Portugal, wherever, playing our players. It's, it's very hard for that to happen. What do you reckon, mm. Joe? Well, it's interesting because the thing that Ange does best is get a cohesive system into every player's head and every player knows their role in that side. And you can see it at Celtic, like the players he trusts from, from Japan, Abada and Kyogo, and then he's brought in Jota. These players are players that aren't universal names, but they're players that Ange has worked with mm. and trusts in his system and knows that he'll get the best out of them. And you can see the wonders he's doing there. And I think Tony's right. We would play a different brand of football. And the difference might be, we still might struggle against, you know, the talent of France, but our game style under Ange might be capable of pulling off yeah. a result against Tunisia and, and maybe even against Denmark. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that what, what, Ange, what Ange likes to do is he likes players to excel beyond what they can actually do. And, and he makes them believe that they're actually better than they actually are. So I, I, I find that fascinating. I, a couple of times I heard Harry Kuehl talk about Jackson Irvine today saying, and he used the expression twice, he put in a good shift. You know what? That's not good enough. You, you can't put in a good shift. That's, that's not going to cut it at a World Cup. That's saying, you know, I've gone out and I've just, you know, I've worked hard and I've, you know, I've, I've, I've run all these kilometres and I've, I've done a good... You, you've actually got to play, especially when you're Australia, when mm. we, you don't have the quality, you've got to play a bit above what you think you can play, I reckon. Just to wrap up, a final score prediction from both of you for Tunisia versus Socceroos, please. <laughs> It's so hard. To, what do you want? The realistic one? I, I think Tunisia is going to win three-one. Another magic moment, though. Maybe that'll be nice, Tony. No, so, so I spent the whole day feeling bad two days ago because I tipped France three-nil, which turned out to be unders, but I felt guilty. And so I'm going to say, just for my own peace of mind, that the yeah, Socceroos will provide us with one of the happiest nights of our lives and a Harry Sutar header in the 89th <laughs> minute 
will break the deadlock <laughs> and send Australia yeah. into ecstasy. But hang on. Before, before Tunisia equalised in the 101st minute. Exactly. So that's saying the 89th means nothing, Tony. means exactly. nothing. Still plenty of time left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That will be 1-0, Australia. Uh, I'm going to go 1-1. I'm, I'm quietly... Okay. The fact that I saw a, a good little stretch of 12 to 18 minutes this morning, I'm hoping that I can take that away from the game, put it against Tunisia and, and get some sort of result. We will be back throughout the tournament on Inside Football we're also on Twitter at Inside Football, so please check us out there. And of course, Inside Football teaming up with Kick360 throughout the World Cup. Big thank you to them, kick360.com.au. Santo Chilaro, Tony Wilson, thanks so much for joining me. Good on you, Joe. Thanks so much, Joe.